beautiful for Christ, we are useful to Christ, cause we're youthful for Christ, and the day with Sepia Snuddies. <laughs> Welcome to the Youthful for Christ podcast, a place where you hear what God has to say to you. Yes, we are youthful for Christ, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And at Youthful for Christ, we bear the yoke in our youth. Youthful for Christ, you're welcome. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the 30th day of July 2021, wherever you're listening from all over the world, I welcome you to another mind-opening and splendid episode of What God Says to You Today, the podcast of the Youth for Christ team, the place where you hear what God says to you. And so because of Bible verses like Isaiah chapter 45 verse 6 and Psalms 113 verse 3, so many people for a very long time have come to think that the Bible meant that the shape of the world was like an arc or a semicircle. And so so because of the events recorded in the book of Judges chapter 11, a lot of people have come with so, come up with so much argument and discussion regarding Jephthah, his vow, and his daughter and the question before us on today's episode is did Jephthah really sacrifice his daughter as a bond offering and if he did wouldn't that mean human sacrifice if it is was it accepted by God or to whom was the daughter of Jephthah sacrificed to all this and so many more we'll be discussing on today's episode and it promises to be mind-opening and inspiring. So wherever you are seated, wherever you are, don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly after this break. I'm going to see all those questions and we're going to really know what the Bible said concerning Jephthah and his vow. It is what God says to you today, brought to you by the Youth for Christ podcast, the place where you hear what God says to you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly. Do you truly want to hear God talk to you? Listen to what God says to you today. The podcast of the Youthful for Christ team every Friday and hear what God says to you. And so in today's episode, we want to discuss the vow of Jephthah. We'll be talking and be considering the event of Judges chapter 11. We're going to go deep and see the vow of Jephthah. And on today's episode, our text will be taken from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. And I read 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 1 Corinthians 14, 33 all this from the easy standard version okay so i will discuss on the vow of jephthah today one which so many people have considered to be very quick and rash 
I would like us to bring a case against Jephthah. And the case against Jephthah is that if Jephthah were to be arrested for the killing of his daughter, the prosecutor would have some evidence, though largely circumstantial. First, there is his infamous and rash vow to God that if God granted him victory over the Ammonites, then the one who came out from the door of his house to greet him on his return would belong to the Lord and he would offer that person or possibly animal up as a bond offering. You can see this in Judges chapter 11 verse 30 to 31. Indeed, Jephthah won the victory but the first to greet him with timbres and dancing on his return was his daughter. The final comment of the biblical text on the subject is the laconic statement that Jephthah fulfilled his vow though the test gives no details of her death and in his defense Jephthah might point out that it was actually his daughter who insisted that he fulfilled his vow to God Judges chapter 11 verse 36 and perhaps mitigating to some extent his responsibility her death might even be regarded as an act of martyrdom not unlike Samson's willingness to die for the sake of God and his people. Now moving beyond the summaries, I want us to see this in the narrator's point of view. The narrator's point of view. The problem with this or any other brief summary of the story is that it leaves out so much of the material and the biblical narrator has considered important to present. So details need to be taken seriously so details need to be taken seriously and so i want us to see the story in context let us see the whole story and let us have a background knowledge of everything that happened and led to the vow of Jephthah. Now the story begins at the end of the previous chapter of the book of Judges. It is always important to remember that the chapter the chapter numbers were first inserted into the Bible in the 13th century and do not reflect a Jewish division of the text. In Judges chapter 10 verse 17 we learn that the Ammonites were besieging the Ammonites were besieging Gilead. In response, the leaders of Gilead decided that the man who begins to wage war against the Ammonites will become the head of all the inhabitants of Gilead. You can see this in Judges chapter 10, verse 18. Now, Jephthah is introduced in chapter 9 as an able warrior, in biblical terms, a high accolade. Jephthah's misfortune is to be the son of a prostitute. His father Gilead had a number of sons from his wife and when these boys grew up, they drove Jephthah away so that he would not inherit from his father. Jephthah was forced to flee and settled in the land of Tov, T-O-V, Tov, where he gathered around him other similarly displaced men and those in biblical term literally empty presumably landless or otherwise without a place in the society other versions call them um, 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 wanderers and those who are of no value so after that Jephthah becomes the leader of Gilead now, when the incursions of the Ammonites became more pressing, the elders of Gilead invite Jephthah, who was presumably developed, who has presumably developed a reputation of a warrior, to come back from the land of Tov and fight on their behalf. In the negotiation that follows, something of Jephthah's anger at his previous treatment, but also his personal ambitions. Were reviewed. You can see this in Judges chapter 11, 6 to 10. Judges 11, 6 to 10. You see the
conversations between Jephthah and the elders. Now, presumably, Jephthah knew the earlier decision of the leaders of Gilead to make the one who begins to fight against the Ammonites the head of all the inhabitants of Gilead. Thus, when they offer Jephthah the role of a mere military figure, he refuses, and the elders recognize that he is holding out for the higher rank and are quick to offer it. Presumably, also, the title would represent his complete rehabilitation as a leading figure of the society despite his origins. This would explain what was personally at stake for him in his transaction and hence his subsequent attempt to guarantee success through his vow to God. Now the question is how clear is Jephthah's vow? How clear is Jephthah's vow? When we come back from this break, we're going to see how clear the vow of Jephthah was and what actually he said he is going to offer up. Don't go anywhere, we'll be back shortly after this break. It is what God says to you today, brought to you by the Youthful for Christ podcast. Always the place where you hear what God says to you. You are listening to what God says to you today, brought to you by the Youthful for Christ podcast. The Youthful for Christ is the team of young minds alike who are burning with zeal for Christ. We are given the mandate of Psalm 51 verse 13, the Ministry of Reconciliation. Our vision and mission includes, but not limited to, reaching out to more than 1,000 youths yearly, teaching the young ones to be in the world and not be of it, imparting the youths for their vision, supporting them for their purpose and empower them for their mission. Our motto is John chapter 17 verse 16, in the world not of the world, and our slogan is Lamentations 3 verse 27, because at Youthful for Christ we are known for bearing the yoke in our youths. Join us today and be part of this great work of God. Okay, you're welcome back and thank you for staying tuned. So now I want to talk about how clear is the vow of Jephthah. How clear is the vow of Jephthah? Now the vow is unique in the biblical record because of its puzzling specificity. To vow to make a sacrifice as a thanksgiving offering was a biblical convention with the appropriate cultic apparatus available for fulfilling it. In this case, however, who knows who or what might come out to greet him? As rabbis pointed out, if an animal, it might be unclean and therefore unacceptable as an offering. Nevertheless, some ambiguity inheres in the actual wordings of the vow. Now let us see Judges chapter 11, 30 and 31 and let us see it from the words of Jephthah himself. I read Judges 11, 30 and 31. And Jephthah made the following vow to Yahweh. If you deliver the Ammonites into my hands, then whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me on my safe return from the Ammonites shall be Yahweh's and shall be offered by me as a burnt offering. That is Judges chapter 11, 30 and 31. And it is very good for us to note that the vow of Jephthah consists of two parts. I'm going to see them shortly. The vow of Jephthah consists of two parts. Most skeptics and enemies of the scripture use the story of Jephthah to prove that we are serving an illogical and unreasonable God. Not only that, but some people even have a hard time writing a Judges 11 commentary because they consider it to be a difficult scripture. The sad thing about this passage in Judges is that even believers of the Bible don't even know how to explain this verse. They don't have a clue and would rather skip this portion 
of the verse because of its difficulty. However, we, are, we can be certain that not because a passage is difficult to explain doesn't mean that we cannot really understand it. A quick examination and deeper investigation will reveal to us the real truth about Jephthah's sacrifice. And what so many people have thought to be a story of human sacrifice is actually a story of a man full of faith in God's mercy and justice in God's mercy and justice and so the question before us today is did Jephthah really sacrifice his daughter as a bond offering did he did he and if he did wouldn't that be considered as a human sacrifice and if it is was it accepted by God or to whom was she sacrificed to now the problem many people have the difficulty many people have in explaining this portion of scripture is actually the 39th verse of Judges chapter 11 let us see what it says Judges 11 verse 39 there the Bible says when she returned talking about the daughter of Jephthah when she returned home her father which is Jephthah kept the vow he had made and she died a virgin and she died a virgin that is Judges 11 39 now what was the vow he had made we read that in Judges 11 verse 30 and 31 let us see it and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord he said if you give me victory over the Ammonites I will give to the Lord what comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering that is Judges chapter 11 verse 30 and 39 from the New Living Translation and so the question before us today is did Jephthah really sacrificed his daughter as a burnt offering. Did he? Did he? When we come back from this break, we're going to go into this. I'm going to consider and know what really transpired in the vow of Jephthah. We'll be back shortly. I am sure you won't want to miss this. Stay tuned and go nowhere. Hello everyone around the world, I'm Reverend Kwan Obihanda, Senior Pastor of Shoshua International Christian Center. Keep listening to what God says to you today, a podcast by Youth for Christ Team, a place where you hear what God says to you. God bless you. Okay, you're welcome back from the break and for staying tuned so far. I'll be talking about the vow of Jephthah. The vow of Jephthah. And on this discussion, we are at the point where we want to really ascertain if Jephthah really sacrificed his daughter as a bond offering. Did he sacrifice his daughter as a bond offering? Is a question many people kept asking. And today we're going to see if really he did that. But before we go into that, I would like us to see something from Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 32 verse 35. Okay, let us see. Let us start reading from verse 34. Jeremiah chapter 32 from verse 34. And it says, They have set up their abominable idols right in my own temple defiling it i guess this is god himself talking talking to the israelites they have set up their abominable idols right in my own temple defiling it and from verse 35 so they have built pagan shrines to baal in the valley of ben hinnom and there they sacrifice their sons and daughters 
to Molech. I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. What an incredible evil causing Judah to sin so greatly. That's Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 34 to 35 from the New Living Translation. Okay, regarding the vow of Jephthah, I'm sure this verse will do a great deal do a great deal for us. Now where we took our test in our test, we had two tests on today's episode. The first one, first Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. There we saw God talking. The Bible said that God is not an author of confusion. God is not an author of confusion. In Jeremiah 32, verse 34 and 35, God said it has never even crossed his mind. He hadn't even he, he hasn't even thought about it. It is not even his idea that we offer up our sons and daughters as bond offering. That was the abomination that the people commit, those who serve Molech. They burn up their sons and daughters as a sacrifice. It is such an abominable act that God hated so much. And the truth is, if Jephthah really sacrificed his daughter, to whom was she sacrificed to? A lot of people want to argue and say Jephthah sacrifices to God, sacrificed her to God. Well, if it is true it was sacrificed to God, as what? Did God accept the sacrifice of the daughter of Jephthah? Jephthah burning his daughter as a burnt offering? Did God accept that? In Genesis chapter 22, we saw God wanting to test the faith of Abraham. God told him, take your son Isaac, the one you love, take him to Mount Moriah and there sacrifice him me as a bond offering remember what god said in jeremiah 32 verse 35 he said it has never crossed his mind when god was saying that it never crossed that that was not god's intention god wanted to see the faith of isaac and also it was a depiction of what god would do in time to come because that knife that Abraham raised and wanted to strike it on Isaac, in many years later, God took the knife off the hands of Abraham and struck it on his son. So it's kind of a depiction of what God will do in time to come. God offering up his own son for the salvation of the people of the world. So when Abraham took Isaac and was about to do that God said no Abraham hold it hold it hold it this is not my intention I just wanted to test your faith and see how truly you trust in me and that was it that was it so sacrificing human as a bond offering to God is not something that he wants so if that is true and many people argue that Jephthah sacrificed his daughter as a bond offering and they argue further that it was to God and they want to make us believe that God accepted it but let us go further and see what really happened because the confusing verse in Judges chapter 11 is verse 39 that the Bible said and Jephthah kept to his vow and did what he said so keeping to the vow what was actually the vow just like we said from the beginning that the vow he made was in two has two parts so when people read verse 39 of Judges 11 seeing that Jephthah later kept to his vow they, they come to the conclusion that truly Jephthah sacrificed his daughter as a bond offering so what did he do if it was stated in scripture that Jephthah really kept to his vow what was the vow did he really kill his daughter did he really sacrifice but the Bible said he kept to his vow now the question now is what was that vow what was the vow when we come back from this break we're going to go deep as we are discussing the vow of Jephthah what did Jephthah do what did he really do keeping his vow unto the lord 
don't go anywhere this is what god says to you today brought to you by the youth for christ podcast the place where you hear what god says to you The Youth for Christ team would love to hear from you. So after listening to this episode, please make sure you leave a comment. You can join us on Facebook and WhatsApp via the link on the description box and get on board. So together, we will be at the yoke in all youths. Okay, you're welcome back from that break and thank you for staying tuned so far and this episode is really getting interesting and it's really heating up and we've been talking about the vow of Jephthah and I'm sure at this point many people will be having everything and their eyes will begin to open regarding the event recorded in Judges chapter 11 many people who have thought so many things different differently from what really happened in that particular portion of scripture we start having a new insight and a new revelation now i want to see the vow of jephthah and what really did jephthah vowed unto the lord what really did he vow unto the lord we want to see it now let us consider the new king james version of judges chapter of verse Judges chapter 11 verse 31 now let us read it he says then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when i return in peace from the people of ammon shall surely be the lord's and i will offer it up as a burnt offering did you get that let us read it again then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when i return in peace from the people of ammon shall surely be the lord's and i will offer it up as a bond offering that is judges chapter 11 verse 31 from the new king james version so we're talking about the vow of jephthah if in verse 39 the bible said jephthah kept to his vow and did what he vowed what was the vow and if we are coming to the conclusion that Jephthah did not burn up his daughter as burnt often as many people have thought what was his vow if he kept to it and we are saying he did not burn up his daughter okay an understanding of the original Hebrew Hebrew rendering of this verse would give us the choice of writing the word the word and we can write it as all and we must remember that Jephthah is making a conditional vow here now let us see what Jephthah said he said if if it is a conditional vow if you give me victory then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me it is a conditional vow that Jephthah was making so this gives us the option that jephthah is saying that the first one who will come out of his house to meet him will be given to the lord if there is no one who will come out jephthah will give a bond offering instead therefore this passage can be correctly translated as the one who comes forth to meet me i'll consecrate to the lord or if no one comes out i'll offer him a bond offering jephthah is found here to be acting in some degree in faith instead of making a vow that he has complete control of he gives god the option 
to how he would keep his vow. As the evidence shows, Jephthah really did not offer his daughter as a burnt offering. He did not offer his daughter as a burnt offering. Instead, he offered his daughter for the service of God, just like Hannah devoting Samuel to the work of God. Hannah said, if you give me a son, I will give you back. So how, uh, what does it mean to give back? What does it mean? To, what did Hannah mean when she said, I will give Samuel back? He devoted Samuel to the work of God. Now, the dedication of Jephthah's daughter apparently meant that his daughter will remain a virgin as she serves in the tabernacle. This means that Jephthah will have no grandchildren. So what can we learn from this? First of all, the Bible and its totality are the living word of God. The Bible serves as the perfect guidebook to teach humans how to live this life. Since the Bible is the direct inspiration from God, just like we saw from 2 Timothy 3.16, our second test, we can be confident that it is perfect and has no error and there is no contradiction and God cannot violate itself. God cannot be an author of confusion. Though we, may, we, we might find some difficult scriptures, find some parts in Bible that we consider difficult when Jesus told the people his disciples not the twelve where he told them that if you do not eat my blood and drink my my if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part with me they said wow this is a difficult teaching who can understand it they all left Jesus because of that word but the real interpretation was what the twelve knew that is why when Jesus asked them, are you also going? And Peter said, where are we going to? You have life with you. Where are we going to? Though we might find some difficult scriptures, we can be assured that there is a way to explain them. The Bible does not contradict itself and can never, and it will always defend itself if we let it. The problem with skeptics is that they read the Bible with a biased mind when we want to put our own understanding in scripture we may get it wrong like i said because of verses like isaiah chapter 45 verse 6 and psalms chapter 11 verse psalm 113 verse 3 because of verses like that so many christians over the years come to think that the bible really said that the word the form the shape of the form of the word is like an arc or a semicircle because we want to put our own interpretation into scripture but the bible said as the, from the rising of the sun to its going down said as the sun rises from the east and set set in the west so because of this we thought that the world is the shape of the world is like an arc which truly is not and finally we must have the willingness and initiative to really open our Bibles and investigate. Let us not assume that since it is a difficult scripture, then let's just leave it like that to blind faith. It is our Christian duty to prove all things. So when we come back from this break, we're going to really consider and we're going to clear the ground and make it open and those who are still skeptic, skeptical about this scripture, this portion of the scripture, we're going to really see why Jephthah may not have sacrificed his daughter. We're going to be giving you points, scriptural points, to back it up why Jephthah may not have sacrificed his daughter like many people thought he did. Don't go anywhere, we'll be back shortly. It is what God says to you today, brought to you by the Youth of Christ podcast. You are listening to what God says to you today, brought to you by the Youthful for Christ podcast. The Youthful for Christ is the team of young minds alike. Who are burning with zeal for Christ. We are given the mandate of Psalm 51 verse 13. 
the Ministry of Reconciliation. Our vision and mission includes, but not limited to, reaching out to more than 1,000 youths yearly, teaching the young ones to be in the world and not be of it, imparting the youths for their vision, supporting them for their purpose and empower them for their mission. Our motto is John chapter 17 verse 16, in the world not of the world, and our slogan is Lamentations 3 verse 27. Because at Youth for Christ, we are known for bearing the yoke in our youths. Join us today and be part of this great work of God. Okay, welcome back from that break and we've been talking about the vow of Jephthah and at this point we've come to the conclusion that Jephthah really did not sacrifice his daughter as a bond offering but why many people find it difficult and why they thought he really did was the verse 39 of Judges 11 and here we read he said Jephthah's daughter returns two months later to her father and he fulfilled his vow now the question is does that mean he sacrificed her he fulfilled his vow does that mean he sacrificed her well two elements in the story push me to think that he did not and the first is the yearly ritual of lamenting Jephthah's daughter the following verses note that this was a statute in Israel 11 Judges 11 39 and presumably the nature of this statute is to be found in the following sentence that every year the daughters of Israel would go four days a year here four days a year to lament the death of Jephthah's daughter you can see that in 11 verse 40 here too there are ambiguities and all translations are speculative most scholars assume that it refers to some kind of ritual lamentation of her fate translating the preposition lamed before the daughter of jephthah as long as this goes on it doesn't really prove it now the second thing that made me come to the conclusion that Jephthah did not really sacrifice his daughter as a bond offering is the extreme emphasis on virginity immediately following the statement about Jephthah fulfilling his vow we are told that his daughter did not know a man now if she is dead then the information is hardly relevant so presumably it belongs to some broader issues in the narrative the perception is, is strengthened by the extreme emphasis on virginity one she asks that the father and her friends she asks the father she asks that she and her friends be allowed to cry for her virginity specifically she said let her go for two months and cry for her virginity and not for her death secondly the request is granted and she and her friends do in fact cried for her virginity not for her death and they did this for two months and thirdly when the vow is fulfilled we are told she never knew a man can you imagine after the verse 39 well it was read that Jephthah fulfilled his vow we are still told that the daughter of Jephthah that many people have come to the conclusion that was sacrificed as a bond offering we are still told that she never knew a man it is a strange thing to say that after recording the sacrifice of a virgin if you think it is now why is the emphasis on her remaining a virgin and not on her death I believe that this suggests that she wasn't actually killed and that she remained a virgin for the rest of her life 
and so many people too would not want to agree to these they want to point to the fact that when Jephthah saw his daughter coming out he really cried out and was full of grief and sorrow and so they mean to say that it was because of he was going to sacrifice her that was why he felt this so much grief and sorrow is it truly the case is it truly the case let us go further to see Okay, so now the issue we're discussing now why was Jephthah so much grieved that it was his daughter that came out? Now we're going to see the fact that this daughter of Jephthah was Jephthah's only child. Now, what is the meaning of this episode? Why the emphasis on her virginity? What happened to her at the end? And what is the lesson in it at all? Now, the tragedy of the vow from Jephthah's perspective. Let us see the tragedy of the vow from Jephthah's perspective. Why Jephthah was really grieved that the daughter came out. Jephthah's horrified reaction serves to confirm just how much he had at stake in the successful outcome of the battle. His first words, the emphatic repetition of the verb to bow, bend the knee, you have surely brought me down. Do not seem particularly concerned about the possible fate of his daughter. Rather, it is to his own hopes that have been brought low and perhaps this echoes his desire to become the head it is here to become the head now Jephthah next cast the blame onto his daughter describing her as his trouble or disturber just as King Ahab and Elijah will later mutually accuse one another you can see that in first Kings 18 17 to 18 when King Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel but since the victory ensures that he will become what else he will become the leader what else might her appearance have disturbed beyond the fatherly love that he might be expected to have for her what else now one clue would seem to lie in the earlier remark when the text first introduced her she was Jephthah's only child Apart from her, he had neither a son nor daughter. You can see this in Jephthah in Judges 11 verse 34. To lose her would mean the end of any long-term family or dynastic intentions that Jephthah might have. Born to a woman who was outside the family framework, he would now be unable to pass on his rehabilitated status to another generation the effects of his vow however it might be carried out would rob him of his future now the tragedy of the vow from Jephthah's daughter's perspective the material about the journey to the mountains with her companions to weep for her virginity and statute that it evoked suggests the possibility that she truly saw herself as dedicated to God according to the opening words of the vow and as a consequence accepted a different fate from what from that of other women namely a life of seclusion she sacrificed the most important priority affecting women in biblical world the necessity of having children Perhaps this should be connected as an extreme variant on the tradition of the Nazarites as reflected in Numbers chapter 6, 1 to 21, where a man or woman may take a vow of abstinence for a limited period. Once a year, she would receive a visit in her isolation from her companions who call out, who would call out to her. Thank you.
The Youth for Christ team would love to hear from you. So after listening to this episode, please make sure you leave a comment. You can join us on Facebook and WhatsApp via the link on the description box and get on board. So together, we will be at the yoke in all youths. And in conclusion, to back up our focus idea, I would like us to have this little point at the back of our mind. And the first point, however, is that Jephthah is a Gileadite, a branch of the tribe of Manasseh. And for this reason, Jephthah demonstrated a detailed knowledge of the history of Israel. Surely, he should have known about the prohibition against child sacrifice from the books of Moses. The second point you should know also is that in Judges chapter 11 verse 29 we read in Judges 11:29 we read that the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and that was immediately when he made that vow and surely if the spirit of the Lord came upon him it wouldn't have led to something against the will of God and also the third point is how can a man perform a manner of worship that God himself called abomination and unacceptable like where we said we read from a test that God is not the author of confusion and the fourth point also is that Jephthah's daughter encourages his father to keep the vow that he had made and didn't even show any fear but rather voluntarily went back to Jephthah after two months for a father to keep the vow and also we should know that the focus point on the daughter of Jephthah is her virginity and not her death and fifth point the child sacrifice is a great abomination to God like we saw we read in Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 35 God said it has never even entered his mind has never even crossed his mind that people should bond their children whether sons or daughters and it is a great abomination just like God has said And let us not forget also that this man Jephthah is also listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's also listed among those that showed great faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And this is a great indication. This is a great indication. However the case may be, as we come to the end of today's episode, we should know that the Bible does not explicitly state that Jephthah sacrificed his daughter as a burnt offering since his daughter was mourning the fact that she would never marry instead of mourning that she was about to die. And this possibly indicates that Jephthah gave her to the tabernacle as a servant instead of sacrificing her. However, again, Judges 11.39 does not seem to indicate that he did not follow through with the sacrifice. It says he did to her as he had vowed. Whatever the case, God had specifically forbidden human sacrifices, so it was absolutely not God's desire for Jephthah to sacrifice his daughter, just like we already saw. And the lesson for us to learn here, the account of Jephthah and his daughter serves as an example for us not to make foolish vows or oaths. It should also serve as a warning to make sure any vow we make is something that is not in violation of God's word. We should never make a vow that violates God's word. Also, another lesson here is that we must keep our vows to the Lord and to others. It is appalling how flippantly, how flippantly many Christians make various promises and don't keep them. Many of us undoubtedly need to make more resolutions, but then we need to take our resolutions seriously. 
For example, many people, if you have dedicated your life to full-time Christian service at some point in your life, then you had better keep that vow if the Lord so leads. Whatever your commitment, keep it. Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. That's Psalm 76 verse 11. And in another place in Ecclesiastes, he said, Do not be quick in making vows. Do not be quick to pledge. Do not be quick to say, I'll do this when you've not counted the cost. And Jesus says something about counting the cost before you go or venture into anything it is wise that you count the cost and see whether you are able to meet its requirements And so as we come to the end of this episode, before I say goodbye, I would like to leave you with this closed line. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, and whatsoever you believe, Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord over all, is coming back again, this time not as a savior, but as a king to rule and reign over all. So if you have not surrendered to him, repent now and believe the gospel. Repent now and believe the gospel. And so we've come to the end of today's episode and we really want to thank everyone who has stayed tuned to this point. We're so grateful. We thank you for listening to What God Says to You Today, the podcast of the Youthful for Christ team, the place where you hear what God says to you. So thank you and God bless you very good. We want you to know that the Youthful for Christ team will always love to hear from you. So we want you to leave a voice message. Tell us how and what you feel and how you've been blessed through this podcast. We also want you to like our page on Facebook, Youthful for Christ. Youthful for Christ. Like our page on Facebook. Tell us what you feel. And together, let us bear the yoke in our youth. Until we meet again on next episode, I say grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I remain your anchor catch co-inter. Goodbye and God bless you. You have listened to what God says to you today, a podcast of the Youthful for Christ team, and we believe it has highly imported and richly blessed you. Please make sure you stay tuned every Friday for new and inspiring episodes.